Good evening, everyone. I obviously didn't know what was going to be shared um, during that time, but the, the title, or the bit I've got at the top of my notes, is to say that we don't always know the consequences of our choices that we make when sharing our faith. So, um, yeah, we don't always know the consequences of the choices we make when sharing our faith. We're going to look at a passage this evening from the book of 1 John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And I wonder if you'd just like to spend a moment just reading that to yourselves. We'll return to the passage shortly. Consequences and choices. Consequences and choices. We make choices all the time, don't we? Some of them can be quite trivial. What should we have for breakfast? What clothes shall we wear? What shall we watch on telly? Some might be a bit more serious. Do I need to share with my partner that they've burnt the roast potatoes again? Do I really need to binge watch that series on Netflix? Some could be really important. How do I respond to a family member's illness? Or how do I respond to my own illness? How do I respond to a boss that's being really, really difficult at work? How do I respond to a problem I might have with a friend or with a loved one? Some of those choices we're in control of. We make the decision. Some of those choices we're not. Outside of our realms of influence. And each one of those choices has consequences. Some consequences we do not ever see. Some consequences we see firsthand. Like the time when I thought it would be a good idea for Dora to have chocolate-flavoured shreddies with chocolate-flavoured milk, and she spilt it all over her white top. That was a poor choice, and the consequence came to hit me. So choices and consequences. We'll come back to that later. In our passage that we'll be looking at this evening, we read from 1 John. And the the background to this passage is that a group of believers are meeting in a community, probably no bigger than, than our own church congregation. And they're receiving a message, a message from from John. Traditional scholars would believe that this is the same John who wrote the gospel and then went on to write Revelation as well. But whoever this person was, he doesn't have it written down at the front of the manuscript, that's put in the Bible later. Whoever this person was, he was clearly someone that spoke with authority. And the the authority he spoke wasn't just a singular authority. If you notice in the passage, he uses we a lot. He spoke on behalf of a collected authority. And at the time of writing, the church was fighting against one of the earliest heresies of the day, the Gnostics or Gnosticism. And this heresy took its root in the belief that the human body was the root of all evil. The flesh was nothing, but the mind was everything. And Gnosticism in Greek means a secret knowledge. They had a very low view of Jesus' humanity and a very high view of the words that he spoke and their perceived knowledge that he gave, secret knowledge that could lead to salvation. And this letter, if you like, is a response of the church to this heresy. I'm sure you've all been in the situation where you've received a really 
nasty email or a really difficult email and your first reaction is to want to fire something back straight away. I've got loads of good things I could say. And then that wise part of your brain says, stop, wait for the morning. And maybe a day later or two days later, you respond with a measured reproach. This is, in effect, the measured reproach to this heresy of Gnosticism. So let's read it together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you all may so have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Some first initial thoughts. As I've mentioned, the author uses we a lot. A collective authority here. An apostle writing to a small community of believers. And you can see by the way it's written that it wants to highlight very clearly to its readers that Jesus is a person, a real person that the writer has come into contact with. Not just via somebody else, not just something they have heard on the grapevine, but the writer, John, has seen and has touched and has met with Jesus. As I hear and read those words, it astonishes me. It astonishes me because we are 2,000 years removed from that. And the thought of actually sitting with Jesus, having a meal, listening to what he had to say, those unrecorded, unscripted moments of what he had to say, it must have just been amazing. And here we have a person that did that, writing to people that he knows. He doesn't address this group of people, so we can only assume that he therefore must know them in some way or have some kind of affection for them because he wanted to set things straight. He wants his readers to know that Jesus is real and that he has seen and touched him. There is also a clear message in this part of the letter, but as you read on as well, that what you see, what you hear, and therefore what you experience and know goes hand in hand. And sometimes those things can become out of balance. Last week, Florence had a swimming lesson. And so Katie and myself and Dora were left at home. And Katie and I were in the kitchen and we're having a discussion over what we should have for dinner. And Dora kind of wanders in and, and listens up. And Katie's suggesting a casserole. And I was like, what about a bolognese or, or something like that we could do? And Dora said, I'll have what Daddy says. Katie said, oh, why is that? And so Dora says, because Daddy's the boss. If you know my wife, <laughs> first, what makes Daddy the boss, Dora? He's the boss because he's the tallest. Why does being the tallest make you the boss, Dora? Daddy's the boss because he's the tallest. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, said so. <laughs> How do you argue with that? 
somewhere along the line, Dora had picked up on height, having some kind of connection with authority. She probably, from my mother, heard Jesus, the Lamb of God, put it all together and assumed that I have now taken on this role of boss because I am taller than mummy. We're working that through as a family. But you can see Dora had had a big disconnect between what she'd seen, what she'd heard, and what she'd experienced, and therefore what she had grown to know as truth for herself. In this passage, I want to draw out two main things. The first is a model for belief, and the second is a model for our response. So a model for belief, well, the writer says it himself, he's heard it, he's seen it, he's looked, he's touched, and now he proclaims it. So he's heard it, he's seen it, he's experienced it, and now he's telling other people about it. And there's a slight subtle difference between verses 1 and verses 3 in this passage. If you look at verse 3, hasn't actually got the verses up there, but it's not a problem anyway. <laughs> we proclaim to you, so now he's taken his own experience, he heard, he's seen, he's experienced, he's proclaimed it, and now he's talking to his readers who are hearing it, then seeing it, and then having fellowship with others. They're hearing it, seeing it, and then having fellowship with others. Sorry, I've got that around the wrong way. Seen it, heard it, and then had fellowship with others. That subtle difference. Even that difference there, I've made a mistake. He starts by saying he's heard it, seen it, acted on it. And now when he's talking to his readers, he's saying you should see it, hear it, and then act on it. You see, often we can have a disconnect between what we know in our minds and what we act out in everyday life. We can say things about what we believe and then our actions suggest the complete opposite. And I think what John is saying here is that these things need to go hand in hand. That what we say we believe and how we act over time, because it is a journey, match. You see, this group of people would have heard this as a collective, as a community. Often when we read the Bible, we read it on our own, as part of study or as part of reflection. But when the first Christians had this letter in their hands, it might have been read out by an elder statement or someone that was literate and able to read as they met together in whatever building they met together. It would have been read in that context of community. So as we see, hear and act, we're not just thinking about what we do as individuals, but also what we do as a collective, as a church and as a community. And this would have been very, very profound for this group of people that would have had that Gnostic idea of it's nothing to do with what you do and everything to do with this secret knowledge that only a few people can get to. It would have really set the record straight for them. 
Sometimes in church settings, we talk about how people should come to faith. And some models suggest that it needs to be believe, behave, belong, or variations on that theme. But here we can clearly see that belonging and having fellowship is really important and that they experience things, then they belong and come together and then they go on as the last verse to have fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So it gives us a model for our belief that our seeing of Christ in action, our hearing of the things said about him, fit with what we go on to believe about him. And then a model for our response. And there's two things here. A response as a community and then a response as individuals. I often like to use this illustration when I talk, but I think it's really, it, it can show this really clearly. Batman. Okay, so Batman, the alter ego of Bruce Wayne, a billionaire from Gotham City. He owns it all, he has it all. But yet his city is in disarray, full of injustice, crime and destitute. And he, as Bruce Wayne, decides his response to that is to invest his billions, not in healthcare or promoting social care or working with politicians or working with governments, setting things in place to change things. His response is to dress up in a suit, become a ninja warrior, and take the enemy out one by one until eventually they could get to the top dog and then it all be sorted. He's got it all wrong. He's got it all wrong. He's so about the super and less about the normal. I have said and I've heard Christians many times say, I wish I could be a bit more like so-and-so. I wish my character could be a little bit more like so-and-so. We often want to be super, don't we? And we get excited about super stories, and so we should. But so many times in the Bible and in daily life, God uses the simple deed. Walking with a friend on the way home from a pub, maybe. Chatting with a work colleague that's having a really difficult time. Having a coffee with a friend that's just got a diagnosis and doesn't know how to respond. God uses a simple moment to have a massive effect. Not a superhero, but a person using the gifts and resources that God has given for the good of his kingdom. So we can respond as a church to the needs of our community around us. Just like the letters responding to Gnosticism, as a church, we can think, what is it in Billericay that we need to respond to? Is that debt? Is that alcoholism? Whatever that might be, what's the thing that we as a church are going to respond to our community with simple acts and simple deeds, good deeds, so that as they see those things happening, they could ask and we can tell them. So that what they see and what they hear about Christ matches up so that they can have fellowship 
with us and then with God and Jesus Christ. So that's on a community level as a church, but it also works on an individual level, making that decision of the gifts that I've been given by God, the resources that I've been given, how am I going to use those each and every day? Not in a super way, maybe, but in just a normal way, to show God's love so that people can see the good deeds of my life and then ask questions so that I'm able to tell them about why I do those things and so the two things match up. So my leaving thing for you today is don't be like that man that wants to do the super thing. Accept the good things that God has given you, the resources that he's given you, and do good works and then be prepared when people ask to tell them why you're doing that so that they may see your good works, hear about Christ, and have a deeper fellowship with you. And we can work at that at a church level and also at an individual, individual level. But don't be like Batman. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this passage of scripture. We thank you for the writer that saw you, that spent time with you, that heard what you had to say, whose life was transformed and then told others about you. And the very fact that we're sitting in this room tonight means that they did a pretty good job of telling your message. Help us, Lord, with the the skills and the gifts, the resources that you've given us as a church to do good things, to tell people about you so that those things can be connected in their mind and they may seek to have a deep fellowship both with the people in this community but also, most importantly, with you. And help us on an individual level, Lord, wherever we find ourselves tomorrow, this week, this month, with whoever it may be, to do purposeful good deeds and be ready to give account for those deeds, to glorify you, to make your name known. Help us, Father, to not aim to have to be super, but use the good things that you've given us and use your Holy Spirit to help us in all that we do so that we may let our light shine in whatever way you have deemed fit for us to do. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good and an awesome God and that you love us so much that you sent your one and only Son to this earth as a real person that bled and died for our forgiveness of sins, for our salvation. And help us, Father, in response to act on what we've seen and what we've heard, to tell others about you. Amen.